0: Turning your Bibles to the Old Testament this morning, we're going to begin in Isaiah 41, and I want to speak to you this morning about the song of the suffering servant. You may recall a while back in our series that we did a while back on the My Servant series, one of those and the most important of all the servants was the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And we... Isaiah 42 and 1 tells us about that reference where God refers to Jesus as my servant. Behold, my servant. Well, that has stuck with me because we just touched on it when it came to the song of the suffering servant that's found in the book of Isaiah. And I just stumbled on that as I was studying in that particular series over a year ago. And it's been on my mind all week. So I'm going to preach to you what has been in my studies and on my mind all week. And let's hope and pray it's not a disaster because this has been a, somewhat of a personal study for me. Let's look at the song of the suffering servant. And we begin in Isaiah 41 because this song, and I, I call it singular. Some others will refer to the four different songs in the book of Isaiah, the servant songs. I refer to it as singular because I believe they are verses of the same song, just different verses. And they also have a chorus too. So as we consider that, I'm gonna refer to it as the song of the suffering servant that has different stanzas to it. It has different lines and verses to it. And the first one that we come to begins, I believe, in Isaiah 41, if you'll see the pattern as we look through this. And there's several verses I wanna bring together. So y'all pray for me that it'll make sense. But as we look at Isaiah 41, remember the setting the book of Isaiah, 7, 8, 900, maybe 850 years before Christ, Isaiah has some of the most detailed information about the coming Messiah. And he often refers to the coming Messiah as a king. And towards the end of the chapter, he refers to him as a conqueror. If you'll remember, when Isaiah wrote a, a good portion of the book, it says that in the year that King Uzziah died, who had reigned for 50 years over Israel, and he was a pretty good king. In, in the midst of that political turmoil and upheaval, when they changed leaders, there was always turmoil. Isaiah sees the Lord in that year that King Uzziah dies. And the book is about the king that's coming. And it also talks later in the book about the conqueror. But set in the middle between the king description and the conqueror description is the mysterious, shadowy figure the most mysterious figure of the Old Testament, that everybody that encountered him was trying to get his name. You check that out sometime when you do a study. They're always trying to get his name, but he wouldn't reveal his name. And this is the suffering servant. They get the king part. They've had a 50-year king, and they get the conqueror part because they've either experienced conquering other nations or they have witnessed it. But here in the middle of this is the mysterious, shadowy figure known as the suffering servant. It doesn't really correspond in our minds with a king and with a conqueror. And the song of the suffering servant begins in Isaiah 41. And I want you to notice how there is an introduction and then there is the actual verse itself about who the suffering servant is. And I believe with all my heart, Isaiah had no idea. A matter of fact, I know that because Peter says that the, the prophets looked for who this person was. So as we read verse 1, He says, keep silence before me, O islands. Now you'll see this recur again and again. He speaks of the isles or of the islands. And it is a reference to everyone else besides the nation of Israel. It is an inclusion of people out of every nation beyond just Israel. That's significant because that's how it applies to you today. If you had lived in those days, this reference to islands and isles was a reference to all the other nations besides Israel. And that would kind of pique your interest too, thinking he's including me? (laughs) He says, keep silence before me, O islands, and let the people renew their strength, let them come near and let them speak. Let us come near together to judgment. Now remember that, because the first stanza, the first verse of the suffering servant song is about justice or judgment. To keep silence means to make no noise. What's given here, if you think about if you've ever been to a concert, and before the group or the singer comes out onto stage, you know, a lot of times out in the area outside where the concessions are, they'll blink the lights, you know, to get everybody back in their seats and sit down, get quiet. Of course, you know, some concerts you go to, they're just clapping, 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 you know, waiting for the guy or girl, whoever it is, group to come out. (laughs) The idea is the Lord is saying, hush, hush, listen. I've got something I want to not just say, but something that I want to sing to you. So it is the performance is about to begin of the servant's song. We're going to jump to some different verses, but I want you to see how he sets it up. And then at the end of the chapter, verse 29 of Isaiah 41, before he gets to the actual pointing to his suffering servant, he says in verse 29, Behold, in reference to idols, in reference to false gods, behold, they are all vanity. Their works are nothing. Their molten images are wind and confusion. Now, if you can't identify with that today, maybe you need to go back and listen to a sermon I preached on a Wednesday night a couple weeks ago where I tried to make it clear that there are still false gods around today They just don't have the name of Baal or Astarte or Diana. If you're talking about the fertility cults of the old days that worshiped human sexuality and sacrificed their babies in the name of human sexuality, you have different names out there today. In the 80s, that person's name was Madonna. (laughs) That's the false god that's out there today. In our day and time, it'd be names like Beyonce or anybody with the last name Kardashian. Those are the false gods of the fertility. Think about what they're worshiped. Think about how they're worshiped. We won't be graphic, but you think about what they're all about. So they're still out there, and I'm not just picking on the girls. You could name sports figures and other men and people that live horrible, sinful lives, and people just worship them and take everything they say as gospel. They're still out there, but I can assure you that the most popular NFL star or the most popular NHL star or MLB star or... The modern day fertility cult stars that are out there, they will not come to your bedside and comfort you when you are sick. They will not provide to you what God intends for you to have as sustenance whenever you are down and depressed and need help. They won't come and comfort you. Matter of fact, if you see them online, they'll just mock you because they look like they're happy and everything's great (laughs) and your life's falling apart. See, those idols are still out there. And Child of Grace, they're nothing but wind and confusion. And then the singer says, Behold, my servant. In contrast to the idols of the world, in contrast to the false gods of the world today that are nothing but wind and confusion, he says, Look at my servant. And he begins to sing about his servant. And it's all about preparing for justice. You remember he said, Keep silent, O isles. I am coming to bring judgment. And it's like no other judgment that's ever been brought in the history of the world. He says, Behold my servant whom I uphold, mine elect, in whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him. The spirit of the false god is nothing but wind, okay? And confusion. The things out there that that sometimes we feed off of, are they're just it's just like a whirlwind or a tornado. But this individual will have the Spirit of God upon him. He will have it without measure because you know what? He is the Spirit. He is the Son of God. I have put my Spirit upon Him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. And you better be glad he included that in there because that's the isles. That's the islands. That's, that's even beyond Israel. Now, one of the things you're going to notice as we go through this is there is a tension found in this song. And the tension is this. The Lord called Israel to be His servant. The Lord said, this nation will be my servant. But the nation of Israel is falling flat on its face and failing to serve God and live up to what God wanted them to live up to. So you'll find a tension where the Lord will go and say, my servant Israel. And then He'll speak of, behold, my servant, mine elect, my chosen one, that's Christ. And sometimes, and especially among scholars and among theologians, they, they scratch their head and they say, who's he talking about? Is he talking about Israel when he refers to servant here? Or is he talking about Jesus, Christ, the Messiah, whenever he refers to servant here? We're going to answer that question. You hold on to that. Put it in your pocket. We're going to answer that question here this morning about conclusively about who he's talking about. So you'll see that tension. The Lord says, I called my servant Israel and my servant Israel is falling flat on his face as a nation. They just don't live up to what I called them to be. But my servant will. So there's a tension in this song. You know, all good songs and all good literature have a tension in them, don't they? The kind of literature that you like to read and you can't wait to turn the page and maybe you're like me, you go to the end and because you're just so excited and want to know what's going to happen. You just go to the end. (laughs) Don't go to the end. Just keep reading. Just keep reading. And so there's a tension in this song. Oh my goodness, you're going to see some tension. Especially when we get to Isaiah 53, which is the last verse of the song. So this tension is going on here where he says, I've got my servant, Israel, but they're not living up to what I called them to be. But my servant, who he will not name, is going to live up to everything. It says, He shall not cry, nor lift up, nor cause His voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed shall He not break, and the smoking flax shall He not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. He shall not fail nor be discouraged, till He have set judgment in the earth. And the isles, there we are again, the islands, the isles, the Gentiles, us, non-Jewish people, they shall wait for His law. Listen now one of the things that occurred to me as I was studying this is these verses are pretty much sequential. So when you read about what he says right there about judgment, and by the way, those are all legal terms about how they passed judgment in those days. If you'll study it out, everything that he says there about not crying, not lifting up his voice... The crier was from the court. The lifting up of the voice was from the court. The voice to be heard in the street was from the court after judgment was entered. And all these different things that he refers to there are about the courts of law in those days. And they're all pretty much sequential. In Matthew, the 12th chapter, you'll find where this right here is specifically fulfilled as Jesus Christ is going about making things right quietly, confidently. The shadowy figure that's spoken of in the book of Isaiah, the Son of God, is going about healing people, setting this right, setting that right, and it says that He commanded them, after He did it, He said, now don't go tell anybody. He didn't go cry it in the street. He didn't go raise up a sign of protest. He just went about and did what was right, and He just went on His business. And it says that is a literal fulfillment of Him bringing justice. You see? Oh my goodness, we're a nation of people that demand justice, don't we? We want every wrong to be right. And of course, a lot of times, the right or the wrong that somebody's demanded to be made right depends on your perspective, right? (laughs) What about the information that went out through the nation last week, you know, about the terrible, terrible leak of the potential Supreme Court ruling? I mean, do you understand that leak is unprecedented? You talk about spiritual wickedness in high places. I don't care if it's, a, if it's a ruling for me or against me or whatever. It is unprecedented that that would be leaked. Spiritual wickedness in high places. Whether someone agrees with the ruling or not, it is wickedness in high places. You see, it's not justice for the courts to be perverted. But Christ is walking justice. Justice. Everything he does, everything he says, everything he interacts with, every move he makes, it is unprecedented. You've never seen justice like this. And this is just the beginning. This is just the beginning of the song. As he interacts with the people of God, making this right, healing this, doing this. And he says, don't go cry it in the street. Don't go tell them. Nobody's ever seen justice like this. So, the first stanza introduces us to the mysterious figure who doesn't look like a king. He doesn't look like a conqueror. But it says that he is the chosen one of God. And as the servant, the suffering servant, goes about, he's singing justice. He's bringing and singing justice. He's the great equalizer. He's equalizing. He's leveling the playing field. He became justice. You know, it made me think of the book of Zechariah where it says that Zechariah was prophesying to Zerubbabel, who was the man who was in charge of the building back in Jerusalem, the temple and so forth. And Zerubbabel let that lay silent for over a decade. He was afraid of the politics. He was afraid to serve God and do what he was called to do because of the political scenery of the day, where the king had issued a decree. The king of Babylon said, Do not build anymore. (laughs) So he didn't. He was scared of the politics. And Zechariah comes to him and he begins to preach to him and tell him, get back on task, Zerubbabel. And he says to Zerubbabel, he says, not by might and not by power will this mountain be laid waste. You see, the Lord was not going to come in there and drop a bomb and, and blow this thing up and say, now go forward. No, it was a totally different way. And it's also a reference to his son coming, the servant coming. It's not going to be in the way that you think it's going to be that Christ is going to accomplish justice. It's not the way it works in our minds. Not by might, not by power in the way that we think. It's a different might, it's a different power. So this tension is going on here. Look at verse 19 of Isaiah 42. He says, who is blind but my servant? Or deaf as my messenger that I sent? You see, that's the tension there. Is he talking about Israel? Is he talking about Jesus? You see? Right there, I can assure you he's talking about Israel. Verse 22 says, This is a people robbed and spoiled. They are snared in holes, and they are hid in prison houses, and they are for a prey, and none delivereth, for a spoil, and none saith restore. You see, Israel is not living up to what it's supposed to be. And can we identify with that? Have you looked in the mirror lately and just said, you know, am I living up to what God expects out of me? We fail all the time, don't we? Aren't you glad this song is here and addresses that tension? Look at verse 10 of Isaiah 42. And by the way, all of these songs, all these stanzas are followed by this. Verse 10 says, Sing unto the Lord a new song. If you behold the servant... You behold the suffering servant and you see that he will bring justice. Not only did he do it when he came and did he do it when it came to your sins, but he's coming back one day and he will make all things right. And they say, sing. (laughs) If you believe that, you need to sing. Sing unto the Lord a new song. Because this is a new thing that he's going to do. 800 years before the Lord comes, and his praise from the end of the earth, ye that go down to the sea and all that is therein, the isles and the inhabitants thereof. Did you catch that again? He keeps coming back to the isles and to the islands and to the Gentiles, to you and me. This is our hope. Even at that time, even 800 years before Christ came, it's our hope. (laughs) Turn to Isaiah 49, the second stanza of the song. He says in Isaiah 49 and verse 1, Listen, O isles. There he is again. He said, keep silence, islands. (laughs) Now he says, listen, O Isles, the second verse is about to begin. If you want to think about it in terms of a play, you know, the second act, you've gone out, you've got your concessions. Now the second act is about to begin. The lights are blinking. Time to get back in your seat. Time to pay attention to the singer of the song. Listen, O Isles, unto me, and hearken ye people from far. The Lord hath called me from the womb. From the bowels of my mother hath he made mention of my name. And he hath made my mouth like a sharp sword. Who is this? In the shadow of his hand hath he hid me and made me a polished shaft. In his quiver hath he hid me. He's referring to the Son of God who was a polished shaft like an arrow that the Lord would set as his mark one day and pull and it would not miss. He's singing about and giving us more information about the suffering servant. This is the setup for the second song. If you see in verse 3, it says, He said unto me, Thou art my servant, O Israel, in whom I will be glorified. Now wait a minute. Here we go. That tension is there again. He's referring to my servant Israel. Then I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for naught and in vain. Yet surely my judgment is with the Lord and my work with my God. And now saith the Lord that formed me from the womb to be His servant, to bring Jacob again to Him. That's Israel. Jacob is Israel. Though Israel be not gathered... Here's the tension. Yet shall I be glorious in the eyes of the Lord, and my God shall be my strength. And he said, It is a light thing that thou shouldest be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob, to restore the preserved of Israel. I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles. That's a reference in the New Testament, by the way. That thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. Thus saith the Lord. And Here the verse comes clear. He names who this is. He doesn't give him the name Jesus Christ, but he begins to give more information about how this servant is going to bring justice. Thus saith the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel, and His Holy One, to him whom man despiseth, to him whom the nation abhorreth, this guy would be hated, he would be laughed at, he would be mocked, to a servant of rulers, kings shall see and arise, princes also shall worship, because of the Lord that is faithful, and the Holy One of Israel, and He shall choose thee. See, he begins to give more information about his servant. Notice it says that he would raise up the tribes of Jacob, verse 6. It says it would be a swift rising, according to that, and restore the preserved of Israel. And the ransomed would be restored. And notice, you say, how's he going to do this? It sounds like something that in the Old Testament that they were familiar with. It sounds like the kinsman redeemer who would come and buy back that which had been lost by his kin. That's exactly what he's talking about. The word redeemer is the Old Testament word for the kinsman redeemer. It's the Hebrew word goel. I was trying to figure out how to pronounce that for y'all. I think in the past maybe I've called it gaal, g-a-a-l, but I thought, you know, an easy to understand pronunciation, which to me just makes even more sense. So it's my pronunciation. It's goel. El is God. Go. <laughs> you know what that means. <laughs> so here comes the kinsman redeemer. He's going to go. He is the one that will go and it is God, Jehovah, and he will redeem his people. See, God is giving them more information as the song goes on. Have you ever got a song? And I hope it's not some corrupt, horrible song. <laughs> but have you ever got a song that just kept you hanging on every, every little bit of it? You just, you just. what's the next verse going to say? None of y'all are going to like this song, but it's, it's one of my favorites. The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald by Gordon Lightfoot. Some of you are going, uh-huh. And some of you are going, what did he say? <laughs> That song, I've listened to it a thousand times, and it just keeps me hanging on. It's about the true story of a wreck of a ship. And I just listen, and I think, I'm going to hear a little bit more this time. You ever had a song like that? You just The old Tom T. Hall song Tom T. Hall wrote that said, this song is driving me crazy, I want to hear it again. (laughs) You ever had a song like that, you just couldn't get it out of your head? (laughs) Here is God singing about his Goel, his kinsman redeemer. Now look at verse 8. There's a really strong clue given here about what the kinsman redeemer is going to do. Thus saith the Lord, in an acceptable time have I heard thee. That's referenced in the New Testament, by the way. And in a day of salvation have I helped thee. And I will preserve thee, and watch this now, and give thee for a covenant of the people. Give thee for a covenant. he didn't say, I will make a covenant, which he did. But he he says, of the kinsman redeemer, he says, I will give the kinsman redeemer for a covenant. You catch that? That's a big clue right there. If you look at the definition of it, it is a reference to how in the Oriental law, when they would make a covenant, and some of you who read the book of Genesis will recall this, when God came to Abraham, and in the darkness of the night... It says that God came there and set the pieces of an animal that had been torn in two. And he set it on one side and he set it on the other side. And Abraham was in the middle and God walked between the pieces of the torn animal. That was an oriental custom to signify I'm making a covenant with you. That's when God signified his covenant to Abraham. You notice he had to kill something and tear it into pieces and walk between the pieces of the dead animal in order to signify, I promise you I'm going to do this. Under pain of my own death will I do this. So what he's saying here is this kinsman redeemer, this Goel is going to be like none other you've ever seen. He is going to be given himself as a covenant to the people. His own body would be given as a covenant. And you know as well as I do that he was literally torn in two. And God walked between the pieces of his flesh to signify your sins are paid for. You see that? So God says he's going to be given for a covenant. His body will be given for a covenant. This shadowy individual, this future prophetic figure is destined to be rejected. Destined. Doesn't sound like a king. Doesn't sound like a conqueror, does it? In verse 13, he says, Sing, O heavens, and be joyful, O earth, and break forth into singing, O mountains, for the Lord hath comforted His people and will have mercy upon His afflicted. In verse 14, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on that because you can go listen to the message that Brother David Crawford preached at Zion last year about that next one. But he did a pretty good job of it, and I can't improve on it, where he used the example of Eor from Winnie the Pooh. Y'all remember that? Some of y'all heard that. That was one of the best examples I've ever seen. If you want to know the response of Zion, you want to know the response of God's people to the Lord saying, Sing! My kinsman redeemer is going to pay for your sins. My kinsman redeemer is going to have his flesh shredded so that you'll be saved. It was Zion's response. Brother David said, you know, he's like Eeyore. Y'all yeah, remember Eeyore? Oh, well, nobody loves me. Zion said... The Lord hath forsaken me, and the Lord hath forgotten me, just like Eeyore. If you can't identify with that, then obviously you've never seen Winnie the Pooh, but <laughs> that's how we are. God gives us the best news that you could ever have, and we just kind of go, Oh, well, that sounds pretty good. I'll just keep on going like things are going, keep my head down. <laughs> that's one of the reasons He says, Lift up your heads, O oh Isles, look up to the heavens. This redemption is coming to you from on high, and the kinsman redeemer is coming. This shadowy figure will come. This is a song of the obedience of the kinsman redeemer. He is going to obey at all costs, even when they reject him. Isaiah 50, the next verse, the Lord says, Thus saith the Lord, where is the bill of your mother's divorcement, whom I have put away? He's talking about Israel. Israel was so rotten and so corrupt and so disobedient, he put them away like a man or a person would divorce another person. He says, where is your bill of divorcement? Or which of my creditors is it to you whom I have sold you? You see, they were not just divorced from God. They were also sold into slavery from God because of what they owed God. Behold, you say, what's, is he talking about money? Nope, he's talking about your sins. Behold, for your iniquities have you sold yourselves, and for your transgressions is your mother put away. Wherefore, when I came, the Lord says, was there no man? When I called, was there none to answer? Is my hand shortened at all that it cannot redeem? Or have I no power to deliver? Behold, at my rebuke I dry up the sea. I make the rivers a wilderness. Their fish stinketh because there is no water and dieth for thirst. I clothe the heavens with blackness and I make sackcloth their covering. The Lord God hath given me. Here's the servant singing now. The shadowy servant himself is singing. The Lord God hath given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. (laughs) Don't you love being around somebody like that? You ever been around somebody, you know, when you were down and they just said something that just, even if they weren't being mean or ugly, they just said something insensitive. And of course your mind thinks, well, immediately, oh boy, they're against me. Most of the time people say stuff, they're just being insensitive. They may not know what's going on in your life or your mind. Isn't it good to know that the Goel, the kinsman redeemer, knows exactly what you need at the exact moment that you need it. I tell you, I want to try to conform myself as a minister to be able to know what's going on with you so I won't say something insensitive to you. I want to say something in love. That's the way we ought to be with each other. But most of the time we're too busy thinking about ourselves to think about what's going on with somebody else, right? Right? It says, He wakeneth morning by morning. He wakeneth mine ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God hath opened mine ear, and I was not rebellious. I didn't turn back away. Watch what he says. Neither turned away back. I gave my back to the smiters, and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. (laughs) What's that a reference to? You know what it's a reference to. The kinsman redeemer is singing about what he is going to do. So I didn't turn back, I gave my back for your sins. For the Lord God will help me. Therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore have I set my face like a flint. There you go in the book of Luke. It says that he set his face to go to Jerusalem and none could deter him. You see the kinsman redeemer is singing his song and it's a song of suffering. But praise be to God for the joy that is set before him He is enduring this. He will endure this. He has endured this. He set his face like a flint. This verse right here has to do with the resolve of the Lord. He said, I don't care how bad they smite my back. I don't care that they pluck the the hair out of my beard. He says, I'm going to go and do what I've been sent to do. Look at verse 10. Who is among you that feareth the Lord? It's kind of interesting right there. He's been saying, sing, sing, sing. And here he turns to the audience and he says, Who among you is getting this? (laughs) Who sees the suffering servant's song and understand as a Gentile or as a Jewish person that he is singing about paying for your sins? Who is among you that feareth the Lord? That obeyeth the voice of his servant, that walketh in darkness and hath no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon his God. (laughs) And the final song, final verse of the song is begins in Isaiah. We have to hit Isaiah 51 in verse 5 where it says, The isles, my righteousness is near, my salvation is gone forth, mine arms shall judge the people. The isles shall wait upon me. There it is again. The islands, the people out of every kindred and tribe and tongue and nation, the scattered islands out there of nations in the world, of which I have a people out of every single one, they shall wait upon me. Their salvation is near. In Isaiah 52 and 1, <laughs> Doesn't this sound familiar? Awake, awake, awake and put on thy strength, O Zion. Put on thy beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. For henceforth there shall no more come into thee the uncircumcised and unclean. This is like the song is reaching a fever pitch. Awake, he says, the song here that we sing so often. Awake, awake and sing the blessed story. Awake, awake and let your songs of praise arise. Awake, awake, the earth is full of glory and light is beaming from the radiant skies. The rocks and rills, the vales and hills resound with gladness. All nature joins to sing the tribe song. The Lord Jehovah reigns. You want to know where the writer got that from? He got it from right there. Awake, he says, O bells of joy and gladness. Repeat, repeat. Anew the story or again. Till all the earth shall lose its weight of sadness and shout anew the glorious refrain. With angels in the heights, sing of the great salvation. He rested from the hand of sin and death. <laughs> That's what the, the songwriter is doing there. Awake wake up from our slumber the apostle paul said in the new testament how could we be sleeping as children of god when you see clearly the suffering servant redeemer the kinsman the goel of god has gone and he has accomplished what he has done he's not trying he's not wishing he's not wanting he has already finished your salvation and we go oh that's great i'm so glad to know that oh i'm so scared i'm scared Who's going to be the next president? What are they going to do? Are they going to overturn Roe? Are they going to put the right senator in? Oh goodness, what are we going to do? We're going to awake. That's what we're going to do. And stop looking at all of this mess around and start looking up to where the king, the conqueror, the kinsman redeemer smiles upon you at this moment awake, he says, awake. It's reaching a fever pitch here, and it's leading up to something. Let's move on. This is the heart of the song. Look at verse 13 of chapter 52. He says, behold, my servant. You know, the chapter breaks can kind of throw you off sometimes. I don't believe the chapter break belong there where chapter 53 is, but that's okay. I'll Talk to the translators about that when I get to heaven. But anyway, it says in verse 13 Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. As many were astonished or astonished at thee, his visage was so marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. So shall he sprinkle many nations. The kings shall shut their mouths at him. For that which had not been told them shall they see, and that which they had not heard shall they consider. What poetic language i tell you the singer god himself the songwriter is outdoing himself and he's about to get even better <laughs> when i saw that there about his his visions were so marred last night we were sitting at the table eating with brother buddy abernathy and his wife sister tina and we were talking about the zombie nan attack that i had on my face a few weeks ago y'all wonder why i wore my glasses the whole time because i looked like i'd been in a prize fight somebody just beat me up i showed a picture of bro- to brother buddy he said i don't even recognize you brother tim <laughs> My visage was so marred by those zombie gnats. I don't know what happened. <laughs> but all weekend, it just kept swelling and swelling. Listen, that is nothing compared to what the Son of God went through. You could not recognize him. There's no prize fighter in the world who has been beat to a pulp. There's no person on the planet that has ever suffered like our Savior has. And his visage was marred. You could not recognize who this man was because they pummeled him. And he was completely innocent. You talk about justice. Justice. He said, we demand justice. Oh, I demand justice for Christ. How is the innocent one going to suffer and pay for the sins of wicked, vile, corrupt people like us? Oh, you better be careful when you go demanding justice for yourself. At least don't ever demand justice before the Lord. You don't want justice. You want mercy. (laughs) You see? And that's all what the song of the suffering servant is about. Awake to the song he says... Who hath believed our report? Chapter 53. To Whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant. You see, he's given little snippets of information. He says, my servant will be mine elect, my chosen one, and he'll bring justice. And my servant will be the Goel, the kinsman redeemer. And he'll buy back the people that had sold themselves into slavery. He'll buy back them from their their wickedness and make them his again. And then it says he would do it by complete absolute obedience. He would do what he was called to do. He would come and finish what he came to finish. And then he begins to give the exact details. You know how I told you it's sequential? You see him there in the book of Matthew, the 12th chapter going around, bringing justice in that way that nobody had ever expected it. And then you see him later on as as the time continues, he sets his face like a flint towards Jerusalem. He knows it's coming. The second song, the second verse goes down. The third verse comes along. We understand he's the redeemer. We understand he's the obedient one. And now he comes to the moment. Now you come to the heart of the song. Now you come to the heart of God himself. Who had believed this? Who could believe that God, the king, the conqueror, would subject himself to such foolishness that we would look at from a natural standpoint? Oh, but child of grace, it wasn't foolishness. He should grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. He doesn't look like Brad Pitt. He doesn't look like all of these other people out there that are polished and perfect. He looks just like an ordinary Jewish man. He's not some Hollywood-groomed Hollywood star who's perfectly quaffed in every way that they present themselves online. He's just an ordinary-looking person just like you and me. Why do you think they had to have Judas come and point him out among the apostles because you could not see him standing out by his features? He has no form of comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Man of sorrows, what a name, for the Son of God who came. I'll tell you, some of those old hymn writers, they got into the Old Testament, didn't they? They got into the book of Isaiah, didn't they? Awake, awake to the righteous story of Christ, the man of sorrows who was acquainted with grief. It says He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from Him. We were so embarrassed by His presence that we hid ourselves from Him. Don't ever say, well, if I'd have been there, you know, I'd have done different. Oh, you you would have hid your face from Him as He hung there on the cross. You would have hid your face from Him and ran scared like Peter did and denied Him. He was despised and we esteemed Him not. Now watch this. Here we go. And we begin to see how the tension is resolved the the servant of god israel has flunked out of school the servant of god israel has failed in every way but my servant the goel the kinsman redeemer will not fail he shall not fail nor be discouraged surely he hath borne our griefs and he's carried our sorrows have you ever grieved Have you ever sorrowed over the loss of a loved one? Have you ever sorrowed over the loss of anything? I tell you, as He went up to Calvary's rugged brow there that day, He bore your sorrows. Your sorrows have been borne by the Son of God. Your sorrows have been carried, and your griefs, where you feel grieved at times, the things that happen in life, He carried your griefs, and they are gone. (laughs) It is as if they never existed, because He carried them. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him. We esteemed him stricken and smitten of God. That guy must be cursed of God in order to go through this. Well, in a sense, he was cursed of God, but it was not because of anything he did. It's because of what you did. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. And by His stripes, with His stripes, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to His own way. And the Lord hath laid on Him the iniquity of us all. Isn't that beautiful? What a song to sing. What a song of triumph. What a song of sorrow. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. By the way, I failed to mention this. You may have figured it out. This is the father singing. The father is singing and has written this number one eternal hit song. That will sound and resound through the annals of glory for all of eternity. And he wrote it about what he witnessed there when his son went to the cross and paid for your sins and my sins. The father is singing about what's going on. And he's saying, We, like sheep, Israel, my people have gone away, and I have laid on him the iniquity of them all. He says, like a lamb dumb before her shearers, he opened not his mouth. This is some of the most beautiful poetic language that you'll ever find in the Scripture. The song of the suffering servant. And I know some of your, your pocket's kind of itching and you're thinking, well, he ain't answered that question yet. I'm about to. The tension between my servant Israel who would not do right Time after time after time, and here is my servant, the Redeemer. We know his name is Jesus Christ, and he has now accomplished what my servant could not do. And so the question is when you see him referring to my servant Israel, especially whenever it speaks of them being successful, when we know they failed, when we see him referring to my servant Israel, Is He referring to Israel? Or is He referring to Jesus? Here's the answer. Yes. Yes. Did you catch it? Is He referring to My servant Israel? Or is He referring to My servant Jesus? Yes. He's referring to them both. And here's how. I want to thank Elizabeth for bringing this to my attention last week. I don't know much about lambs and raising lambs and sheep, but I did do a little research on this after she shared her devotion with me. And in lambing, which is what they call it, when lambs are born, and this is accurate even today, even to this day, I just researched it. But when lambs are born, sometimes a baby lamb will perish, will die. And the mother sheep, the ewe, she will not take another lamb. The smell, the feel. Unless something happens, she will not take. If you had another lamb whose mother died or a mother had twins, and you want to put that lamb with this you who lost her little lamb to death, there's a little thing in lambing circles called grafting. And what they do is they take the dead lamb before he decomposes and they remove his pelt. They remove his skin. That little bitty lamb. And they take the skin of the dead lamb and they drape it on the body of the lamb that they want the mother to take. And she takes it. That's how my servant Israel is my servant, Goel, redeemer, kinsman redeemer. The broken body of Jesus Christ The flesh of Christ was superimposed upon the people of God. So when God looks at you, He sees the flesh of His Son and you are His. You know what He also sees? He sees that the flesh of His Son has paid for the sins of that little lamb. You say, I've done too much. I've gone too far. I've I've done too many things. Let me tell you, to say that, To say I've done too many things is like saying Jesus' blood was not sufficient. I tell you, child of grace, you have done too many things. I have done too many things. I look back in my life and I think about, I sometimes remember something I did from high school or something that I did later on or something I did last week. And I think, oh my goodness, did I repent of that? Oh my goodness, I hadn't I thought about that in years. I wish I could call that person. Y'all heard me tell a terrible story a few weeks ago of what I said to that poor boy in seventh grade who didn't even do that, that I'd said that he did. I wish I could just take him and just say, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry I said that. I'm sorry of the putridness of my mouth. I'm sorry for the actions that I've committed. I'm sorry for the days that I don't wake up and and see the suffering Savior risen in glory. I'm sorry for all those things that I did. I'm not good enough. I never will be good enough. I can't approach to him, but the lamb's skin, the lamb's blood, has covered me, and it's covered you. Praise be to God. Awake to righteousness. By the way, it says in Isaiah 54 and 1, because of what the suffering servant has done because he's taken your sins and he's paid for them. He says sing O barren. Sing those that did not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud thou that didst not travail with child for there are more children of the desolate than the children of the married wife," saith the Lord. Every time in the song of the suffering servant he says listen up I want to tell you about my son I want to tell you what he's going to do. He's going to come and he's going to be like no other. He's going to bring justice like no other. He's going to come and redeem like no other. He's going to be obedient like no other. And the the way He's going to do it is He's going to go to Calvary and He is going to take your sins, your sorrows, your griefs upon Him and pay for it. And in His death, He goes to the throne of God and says, I've done it. I'm here. I've got the proof. I paid for Tim's sins. I paid for Luke's sins. I paid for filling your name. I paid for their sins. And the Lord said, I accept. I accept. It's over. Your sins have been paid for forever. Awake to that. That makes you want to get out of bed on Monday morning. That makes you want to go out and tell people about what the Lord has done for you. Awake to the suffering servant song and sing, sing. Notice how he says, here's my verse. Now you sing. (laughs) Sing, O Baron. Oh, I tell you what, that is most likely the greatest song ever written. And it's going to be sung for all eternity. Child of grace, my voice is gone. <laughs> but my view of seeing what the suffering servant has done for us drives me every single day. If I do anything good, if I say anything right, praise be to God. I've awakened to the suffering servant song, and I understand what he's done for me. I'm not going to go back and live like I did. God doesn't intend for you to live like you did. God intends for you to live for Him in honor and in glory of the suffering servant. Are we brave enough to look in the mirror and say, He died for me. He paid for my foolishness. And I don't have to get it right to get to heaven. Praise God. You don't have to get it right. He got it right. But it wouldn't hurt to try to get some things right here and now. And the most right thing that you can do if you hear the song of the suffering servant is you can come down the aisle if you haven't made that public profession. And you can say, I have no righteousness of my own, but I believe with all of my heart that the flesh of the Lamb of God has covered me and the blood has purified me and cleansed me and washed me and I can go forward in obedience to Him. Now, if you're like me and you hear something like that, you want to join again. (laughs) I know I do. (laughs) Just praise His holy name if you've already joined. If you haven't, we give you that opportunity as we stand and sing.